Hi, I'm Karen Osborne, and this is Living in the Sandwich Zone, a place where each week we talk all things parenting, caregiving, juggling life, and reclaiming joy. Hey, welcome back to Get It? Hey, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking about horses and equine therapy. <laughs> I just amuse myself so much. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to Living in the Sandwich Zone and part two of my conversation with Kuniko Vroman. If you haven't already listened to part one of our conversation, you might want to go back and start there. Because in this conversation, Kuniko and I talk more about my experience going through equine assisted therapy services with her. So I started down this path of exploring equine therapy at a time when I was really in a lot of distress and under an inordinate amount of pressure. I was just about to return to work. Zach was heading off to college for his first year. Lenny was dreading going back to school. And I was juggling all the other things I usually juggle in terms of helping my parents out and all the things going on in our family. I feel like in the last several years, I have been really motivated to confront the fears I've held throughout my life in many different situations. I've had a lifelong fear of horses due to some traumatic experiences that I had as a child. Those fears combined with just the inordinate amount of stress and emotional upheaval I was going through at the time was a big part of why I really was interested in learning more about equine therapy. And through some amazing synchronicities and serendipities, I crossed paths with Kuniko Vroman, who is a passionate facilitator and provider of equine-assisted therapeutic support services. Kuniko has a gift and a way of facilitating relationships between people and horses to provide incredible therapeutic relief. She is the founder of Helping Hoof, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide equine-assisted therapeutic services to individuals with developmental challenges or other challenges such as physical, emotional, mental health, and a whole host of other conditions for which one may need therapeutic support and assistance. Working with Kuniko enabled me to face the lifelong fears I've had about horses and realize that it really wasn't about the horses. So in this episode, part two of our conversation, Kuniko and I talk more about my experience doing equine-assisted therapeutic activity and the insights that I gleaned along the way. So here is part two of my conversation with Kuniko. And we start off by talking about her nonprofit, Helping Hoof. I want you to talk about Helping Hoof and what it is and how it came to be. 
Okay. So yeah, like Help Me Enough is my nonprofit and I started it um, because I wanted to work with horses um, and I was a behavioral therapist and I was working for a company that like at the time was real uh, as a behavioral therapist for a company that at the time was kind of considered the gold standard in applied behavior analysis. So that's uh, ABA therapy. Um, and yet <laughs> I was still coming up against like all of these like really um, frustrating hurdles or, or blocks where it was like really about money and like insurance, like checking boxes for insurance companies rather than providing these families with like really quality services that they so desperately needed. Um, and I just felt like I was working for like so hard. Um, it's like, you know, like having a really big effect on these families' lives, like changing their lives probably profoundly in many ways, but like making very little money, not really able to pay my rent, working all the time, feeling just like exhausted and like, and wanting to be with horses and knowing that like there was like so much that they had to offer and that that was very much frowned upon by the field that I was working in. I remember I went to a staff meeting once and they had like um, listed all the therapies that they felt were bogus therapies that people were offering to our families. Um, and that like ABA was the only answer and like listed among them was equine assisted therapy. And I was like, I gotta tell you, I like, here's all the reasons why that is like a hundred percent wrong. And I'm not saying that you can't have ABA, but like, like you, like there was one, like they, they lumped ABA, I mean, equine assisted therapy in with like, um, like bleach therapy or something like someone was having kids drink bleach I was like oh my gosh like this but this is what you're coming up against right like people think and it just boggles my mind like if you like have spent any time with the horse like even if you don't have a, fac a facilitator there you know like and the horse is like allowed to just be okay <laughs> like because oftentimes when we get into trouble with horses is when they're forced into a situation that they can't handle they haven't been given the tools or the resources to handle and they're just in survival mode um but if you're in like a, a situation with a horse where like all of their needs are met um then like just being with them is like amazing so to like lump them in with this other therapy was like a little bit um not a little bit was really upsetting um but yeah I just I don't understand like why <laughs> people uh I mean I get it people like science and numbers and whatever but I think you discount a lot of the magic and um the the miracle that is this gift you know that these beans yeah they give us. absolutely yeah, so and I I, I think for me as a parent, when, when Lenny was really in crisis, um, I was looking for anything and everything 
that could provide relief. And I think in becoming aware of equine therapy, I think that for me, one of the reasons I even wanted to have this conversation is because people don't know. People don't know that there are other types of therapeutic services could provide relief. And the whole regulation, the the self-regulation aspect of being merely just in presence, in company Mm -hmm. with the horses. I know for me, for my own nervous system, yeah, very soothing. It was yeah, very grounding. And I think too, like whatever you're working on when you're at the stables, when you're with the horse, like that carries over. Like part of our checkout at our sessions is like, well, what are you, what's your gem? What are you taking? Yeah, what are you, you taking away? So we had a check-in at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> we would do our, our session. And then we'd yes. sit down for a little while before I left to do a, a checkout, you know? Yeah. And, and that was, I think that was really good for me because I would then reflect on what happened during the session yeah. and what stood out for me. And, and, you know, I tend to be a introspective kind of person anyway, but I think having the mirror of a horse friend kind of hold it up really boldly to me in a session. It's like, Ooh, yeah. (laughs) And I would come away with my various takeaways every single time. And they seemed very much, um, just so perfectly timed for whatever it was navigating. Yeah. Because whatever's coming up is what's going on with you, right? (laughs) Like you're not pulling stuff out of nowhere they're they're drawing from from you specifically so whatever comes up is what's going on with you whether or not you and whether or not you're willing to so that that's the other thing I think I've had participants who come who don't get as much out of the experience as as you did and I think like it's it's not good or bad, their fault or, you know, but like you have to be open. And if you're not at a point where you can be open, I can try my best as a facilitator to guide you to that, but it has to come from you. Um, because so I'm curious to know, I'm curious to know, Kaniko, yeah. in terms of watching me come into um, an equine setting, with the fears that I was holding and the emotional stressors that I was carrying when we first connected. I'm interested to know your observation of my arc with the equines. Oh, well, I think like, Karen, you're, you're so amazing. Like, I think you're a curious and you have like the, like, one of the strongest worth work ethics around self like self actualization realization that I've like that I've seen in, in like a while. So like I think like whatever you do like in terms of in, investigating what's going on with you and like getting getting to a, a good healthy space like you're gonna get there. Like I I don't doubt it. Um, but what I did notice 
is um, because you have this strong work ethic around this and because you want it so badly, mm -hmm. I felt like sometimes you were a little bit hard on yourself and you really were pushing yourself to like grow and change and realize and get there. And I think one of the things that the horses really worked on with you was like being gentle mm -hmm. and like letting it come gentle uh, because sometimes these lessons in our lives don't need to be like so hard. And I think, sure, when things are difficult, there is like geometric exponential growth. Like, you can't go through something that's so hard and not like come out like miles away from where you started. But at the same time, it can also come gentle. And yeah. um, I feel like the horses really helped you work on that and be kinder to yourself, um, be more understanding of the challenges you face that like have nothing to do with you and everything to do with this like broken society that we live in, like being a black woman in this country um like navigating just that alone um requires so much strength and fortitude but um you lose you can lose some of your softness and, and I think that that I think that really was one of the biggest takeaways that I had because I I did show up at your doorstep with such a load um, a weightiness to what I was carrying and a deep desperation to feel better. Yeah. As such, it's like, I didn't want to miss a moment. I like wanted to take advantage of every single avenue that could yeah. potentially lead to relief. Yes. And the relief came for me in the slowing down yeah. and the allowing and the gentleness. Yeah. Allowing things to have some ease to them. Right. Um, I think uh, like a really cool thing about equine assisted therapy is like when if we think about horses like just in general in our relationship with horses throughout time, they like um they helped us travel. They were our like they helped us travel great distances had our battles with them we grow our food with them we built our cities with them right like they've been our partners throughout history they carry us and our and our burdens but like what people don't realize is they don't just carry us physically they carry us emotionally and spiritually as well and that is like this huge like untapped component of our potential relationship with these these beautiful creatures um that like helping hoof really strives to like get at right like um yeah like I know like you can train a horse to like go over jumps and walk a certain way and sure whatever that's fine um I think like yeah you have to like help a horse be comfortable in a domesticated setting um, but like on all of that, like there's this 
spiritual and emotional and mental relationship that we can have with them that is just so rich and so deep um and so healing and I don't know that's what I feel like that's what like help that's the goal of helping Huff is like if you know you want to work on these things let's work on them you know and I work with kids too like I work with a lot of kids and a lot of kids on the autism spectrum and like all of this stuff like learning how like these patterns that we're talking about that show up in our lives like for these guys it's like learning how to like you know, it's the same, it's the same issue, but it's like just starting, like learning how to realize when you're becoming dysregulated. Yeah. And then like, how do you cope with that? Like, what's your coping strategy? What's a healthy coping strategy? What have you done before? And like, what can you replace that with? So like, it works, you know, <laughs> whether you're like a, a six-year-old learning how to like tolerate hearing no, or an adult, like, processing some like pretty heavy trauma um you know like th like they've got <laughs> they've got it for you <laughs> the horses have it for you like if you're willing to like connect and and be open um yeah. and that requires being vulnerable and that's very hard and I get that and I understand that like um our coping strategies are defense mechanisms they allowed us to be who we are today um, and I don't want to dismiss that. Um, but like thinking now about how things are in the present moment and whether or not these things still serve you. Um, and if they don't, like, how can you like let them go and replace them with something that does? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, <laughs> what i would love for you to as we wind up share where people can find you oh okay find information about helping hoof or if people are interested yeah. in participating in you know therapeutic services sure you, um yeah. i have a website it's just helpinghoof.org um uh and there's a contact form there um i have instagram if you do that i know social media is like so gross though <laughs> so like if you don't participate <laughs> good for you um but if you do participate because i do too um it's like uh i think it's at helping hoof e-a-a-t and then you can see pictures you can see pictures of karen <laughs> you were so generous to like share oh, absolutely share happy to share i mean it, it really was a beautiful experience for me. Um, and I think a really powerful experience for me to work with my horse friends and realize, you know, one of the things that I came to realize for all of my life, I had really demonized horses because of the bad experiences that I had had. And I remember when I was telling my family, yeah, I'm going to do equine therapy. I'm going to do some equine therapeutic stuff. And they were all shocked and in disbelief. Like you know. Exactly. They're like, really? <laughs> you and horse? That doesn't go together. Well, 
what I found out, you know, one of the things, one of my traumatic experiences was when my sister and I were little, my mom would take us down to the Arroyo Seco stables and that you could do rides. And as a really young child, we went down to do a ride and we each got on our horse. And as we were walking out of, you know, heading out to the trail, my horse reared up oh on its, you know, back legs. So I yeah. was thrown off of the horse. Yeah. And it was really traumatic for me. It was really, really. How could it not be? Well, as I went through my sessions with you, I would talk about what I was learning, what I was seeing, what I was realizing about myself. And I was telling my sister something. And my sister said, oh, I remember that when I was recounting this story. My horse bit your horse on the butt. Cause she was I remember you telling me this. Yeah. And the whole time, all of these years, I had demonized that horse as just a bad, horrible, you know, violent yeah. being. Yeah. When, you know, years later, I came to find out that there was a cause, there was, you know, a yeah. causal incident that led to that rearing right. up. And so it, it put, in a different perspective things for me because it was it was apparent that what I was bringing in in terms of my fear and my kind of hostile you know uh, relationship that I had toward horses um it was really what I was bringing not what they were giving they were just reflecting back to me <laughs> what I was bringing in yeah. And I think like when I remember us talking about this and like you, like after having that conversation with your sister, like all the realizations, like it didn't just apply to that specific scenario with the trail ride um, and getting bucked off or reared, you know, f coming off a horse when it reared up, but like about fears in general and misinformation and blame in general and like, how like this one situation had like a huge impact on your your relationship with a whole class of beings and it was predicated on like a not having all the information not understanding like yeah it just it's just so interesting how like if we like can really like pull apart like these interactions, like the implications that they have, again, on our like larger behavioral patterns and our, you know, the way that we like interact with other people in our other relationships. Um, Absolutely. Because things from that incident, um, now looking back, can definitely apply to like your current fears. And like, that is like an amazing gift because now you can be like, well, I was so afraid. I was like, I have these other fears in my life. Well, what about them is like right. actually based on misinformation. Right. What about them is based on like um, not having all the all the pieces to look at a, like a larger, clearer picture. Like, how can I get that? And I think when you talk a lot about um, how heavy you were feeling 
and what you were carrying um like and you know we kind of touched on like horses carrying our burdens physically but how they can carry them emotionally or spiritually like we did an exercise about like laying your burden down mm-hmm. with the horse and um we did another one um where it was kind of like one of the heavy things that we can carry is shame yeah. and secrets and yeah. we did an exercise and you know obviously like we don't like we don't have to go into detail about any of those things but the exercise was like tell the horse something that you've never told anyone else right um and then i remember you sharing with me how you were like kind of taken aback by the horse like not having a reaction and not like really like um i don't know like doing something that would indicate the like level of intensity that you felt around sharing this information and my response was like well maybe she thinks it's not a big deal and maybe you don't need to think it's a big deal either yeah and like what you know what (laughs) what does that do for you in terms of like lightening your load and like letting things go like um yeah so yeah and I and I remember when we did the the exercise of laying your burden down, um, I I can't remember. You know, it's all a blur because I can't remember which horse on which day I was working with. But yeah. you might remember. I think um, it was Quinn. I think it was Quinn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Quinn. I think it was Quinn. And after we did that exercise. And, you know, I am like embracing this horse with my, my face, my cheek pressed up against the side of the horse and my, my arms, just one toward the head, one toward the hindquarters, just leaning there. And afterward, we had this moment, we had this moment where Quinn had just like her head and her nose just right at my chest. Yeah. And just stayed there so gently and so tenderly. Yeah. It was, it was such a moving moment. And I guess it goes back to the fear that I carried for me. It was such a transformative experience to come and start and have such a visceral fear of being in company with these horses and in such a short period of time to regard them so differently to have this tender moment. I think it gave me that feeling like all of these fears that I hold in my life are capable of being transmuted, transformed. And for me to find and create new relationships with these things that I've held in fear for so long. Yeah. And I think like that goes back to the softness that we were talking about. Like we often are taught to address our fears with um, force, right? Right. We're going to overcome them. We're going to like conquer them. We're going to conquer them. We're going to fight through them. We're going to like all of that. Um, But 
actually, <laughs> if we can be gentle and soft, we can melt them um, yeah. and transform them. And I think that's uh, ultimately such a like more healthy option. <laughs> I definitely um, felt that. I definitely but, felt that. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't require strength because it's really hard to be vulnerable. Um, but like, even like the exercise of like lay your burden down or like the shine a light on shame, like, you know, all the things where we're kind of trying to like lighten the load a little bit. Um, when we are able to set things down, like when we hold them so close, we have no perspective on them. Um, but if we're able to let someone else hold them for a minute, like an equine friend or like, you know, a human friend, like, right. Like this is like the goal. Like we're not, like, we don't always need to uh, love to have a horse every day, but don't need to have a horse every day to continue, you know, working on this stuff. Right. So if we can let someone else hold them, uh, set these things down for a moment then we can take a step back and we can look at them and oh my gosh how different do they look when we have some perspective like a different or a different perspective let me set this down let me walk around it and look at it a little bit actually it's not what i thought it was at all yeah. it's very different and when we pick it back up it's often a lot lighter right or right. it's changed right and now holding it is not difficult at all like actually holding it is great it's strengthening it's fortifying but it requires that like setting it down um or letting someone else hold it um yeah yeah which i think you were able to do and not everyone is able to do but i think that quinn was very sweet and very supportive um and helping you in this endeavor <laughs> and that's like what's so great about the horses is they like intuitively know how to like hold and support us but we have to be ready for it and we have to be congruent and we have to be open to get this connection. Um, and if we don't, um, we're still going to get some benefit, but like, you know, they're helping us get to that point <laughs> where we're able to like experience this like growth and change and realization um, in, a, in a really soft way because it comes without judgment. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't if, think we can get that from people sometimes. <laughs> oh, I think you're right. I think like even right. your therapist, your human therapist, who's supposed to be a hundred percent unbiased. Like, I think some of us still <laughs> have a hard time like of that. Yeah. But you, you're talking to a horse, you're talking to a horse. <laughs> and, and there's something about saying something out loud that um, like brings us to that congruency um that really helps us like wrap our heads around it or wrap our hearts around it speaking the words saying it out loud yeah. forming the thoughts and putting them out there it's very powerful and so if you're able to do that with a horse then you know great and then maybe you can start to do it with a human but like the, the horse is a, a really safe place and like that applies to like kids too like i have work with kids who have a hard time reading they're struggling academically but you read a book to a horse there's no pressure they don't uh -huh. care if you if you stutter you stumble you're slow it's great um, practice if you yeah. make you mistakes. build the muscle yeah build a muscle right that muscle memory yeah, yeah. pretty nice
So if you could say, what would you say are the top three benefits of engaging in equine assisted therapeutic service? Um, I would say um, grounding yourself in the present moment, getting congruent, you know, recognizing how you feel and being able to express it and shining a light on your patterns and your relationships. Um, so like, and that's the kind of work that you're doing. And I feel like, you know, if you're a, a eight-year-old boy on the autism spectrum, it might look a little bit different mm -hmm. for the three benefits. I mean, you yeah. might be looking at like sensory regulation, mm -hmm. um, communication, <laughs> and uh, probably like fun. <laughs> I think right. like just like having right. a fun experience because right. it, it can be hard. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's the thing about Helping Hoof, though. I don't offer group sessions. They're all one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I mean, and that's like logistics now, but also it's kind of how I like to work. Um, I think because horses are so sensitive, if you're working in a group setting, you could be pick, they could be picking up on something that's like happening with someone else. Right. Um, right. So, and then like you would need someone to kind of help you like navigate that. I think it's still going to be relevant to you, but like, I feel like a lot easier to do like, you know, these individual sessions because I'm bringing stuff to the equation. I'm trying to like step back and let you have your interaction and like facilitate, you know, I'm vibrating too. <laughs> like, right. you know, I'm in the space as well. Um, We're all bringing our energy. Yeah. So it would be different, but I think, you know, like those two are pretty good. <laughs> pretty good categories of three things yeah i'm really grateful that you did this i'm Thank glad you. that you enjoyed like your time and that you found coming to see us useful that's like the biggest gift like like i said i've had participants where it did not it didn't gel it's not a match yeah not a match and so i know that it but like when it works yeah Man, it sings like well and i you know i'm a firm believer when the student is ready the teacher appears and yeah. i feel like <laughs> i was called to experience this i do and i'm trying to do a better job of listening to myself like when i have these stirrings that draws me to something it's so hard to follow that we get it beaten out of us yeah and literally sometimes yeah I like, I remember like, uh, reading this book about like human animal communication, mm -hmm. um, like people who like feel like they communicate with animals, like in a way that you and I are conversing, right? Like, yeah. Uh, um, and they were saying that like, we all have the ability, but we're taught that it's not real. Um, and I thought about it because this little boy came to visit me when I was volunteering at that other stables. Um, that was like a, a lot more like, I mean, I had the, the person who ran it tell me like, none of that, my friend Flicka bullshit here, which was like so intense. Cause I'm like thinking back, I'm like, that's the best part of the horse, <laughs> like that relationship. Right. But like, um, like this little boy came and he's like, 
the horse is sad mm. and my my in, my initial instinct was like no he's not he's fine but then I like stopped myself and I was like well why do you think he's sad like what makes you think he's sad and he's like he's lonely and I was like holy shit he's right because that horse's human hadn't been able to come and see them oh. um and like you know like we didn't talk about this but like a lot of my participants who have a hard time with speech are able to use speech when they're with horses um and I think it's because horses communicate by and large non-verbally um and they communicate with body language and energy mm -hmm. um and sometimes images mm -hmm. um that we send to each other and so I think that for some of my participants who have a hard time with speech they get to have a conversation with a living thing that doesn't rely on speech and that that is so exciting yeah. and satisfying um that they're like okay now that I feel good in my body and my sensory system feels regulated um I've had this nice conversation with my horse friend and I want to try to do that with mom or dad brother mm -hmm. or sister with Kuniko and so like they're able to like get at words where before they weren't able to um but yeah I do think that like that listening to that voice and the intuition like gets pushed away and we're told it's silly or like not true or like right. whatever um it's not practical you're being ridiculous you're being fanciful um it's so sad because that inner voice like that's like you know you talk about like uh Google being able to like process like metadata, like that's where that voice comes from. Like yeah. that's processing things that were like not available, like that aren't available to us on a conscious level. Right. And like, that's why it's so important because that's information that we're not getting otherwise. And that's why it's so important to listen to it, but it's so hard. <laughs> oh yeah. It's it so is. hard. And we're, yeah, like, we're, you know, we're taught to be hyper-logical. You know, and just yeah. to live in the headspace. But the thing is, we're heart-based creatures. We're yeah. not head-based creatures. And right. like, so when we when we do it that way, we often get it all wrong. <laughs> well, I'm glad my heart called me to you, and I'm so grateful that our path. I'm glad too. I'm I love, really, I love, love the time having that we you spent. in my life yeah. and like sharing space with you and like, yeah, fantastic. And doors always open. Thank so. you. Thank yeah, you. come Thank back. <laughs> My time spent with Kuniko doing equine-assisted therapeutic work was incredibly transformative for me. I got a lot of ahas and insights and awarenesses that I've hung on to, and now I think those help me to move through my life in a different way. If you want to learn more about equine-assisted therapy or want to connect with Kuniko, you can follow her on Instagram at helpinghoof, E-A-A-T, or go to her website, helpinghoof.org. Alrighty, friends, that is going to wrap it up for another edition of Living in the Sandwich Zone. Until next week, take good care and go out and do something that brings you joy.
I'm Karen Osborne. Thanks for listening to this episode of Living in the Sandwich Zone. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you like this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Like, subscribe, follow the podcast, and share it with a friend. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, one of the best ways you can support me is rating and reviewing the podcast there. You can follow me on Instagram at karen.e.osborne. That's O-S-B-O-R-N-E. Or if you want to become an insider, a club sandwich member, click the link in the show notes and join my private Facebook group. Until next time, remember to add yourself to your caregiving list and take a moment today and do something that brings you joy.